Welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy podcast. Here's what you can expect from listening to Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy. My true passion is all about helping educate you, the listener, on plant-based nutrition. I educate through my own story and experiences on a multitude of plant-powered topics, including health, plant-based nutrition, fitness, mindfulness, to teach you how you can be your most powerful self every day. With interviews with top fitness, health, wellness, and spiritual experts, this podcast is a non-judgmental, fun, and happy atmosphere. Sit back and enjoy some of the amazing interviews that I have with not only plant-based experts, but with people who have truly transformed their lives with plant-based nutrition. who's the founder of plantbasedscotty.com. Scott went from eating chicken to chickpeas on January 17, 2017. Growing up, Scott played several sports, but his main focus was on his favorite sport, football. And in high school, he was consuming high amounts of animal protein to build muscle and also began researching how to turn his body into the perfect machine to one day play football in the NFL. And he fully understood and fully believed that he was doing all the right things to make that dream happen. Scott's obsession with the power of protein inevitably led him to pursuing a bachelor's degree in exercise science. Throughout his studies, the general consensus was that the only way to build muscle is to consume animal protein. After college, Scott's focus began to shift and he began to work as a personal trainer, teaching his clients everything that he knew about building muscle, which included eating more meat and fewer fewer carbohydrates. It wasn't until watching the 2014 documentary film Cowspiracy about the impact of animal agriculture on the environment that moved Scott and his wife to immediately remove all animal and animal byproducts from their home. And today, Scott is 100% plant-based and through his recipes, his blogs, and coaching, uh, helps other people to looking to transition to the plant-based lifestyle. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me on this very important topic. You're welcome. Thanks for the nice intro. I appreciate it. So uh, when you went plant-based, what, uh, what type of challenges did you face in the beginning stages? of the transition? Yeah, so that's a definite, definitely a prominent question that I get. And I face many different challenges, but probably most notable was the criticism that I got from family and friends. Um, That kind of, I guess, lives in the social challenges of going plant-based. Specifically, so I live away from my family, but when I, when I first started transitioning, I visited them shortly thereafter. Um, and that's after I lost a bunch of weight and um, I looked much different than my family was used to seeing me. So they were super concerned about me being unhealthy and, you know, all the, they threw everything at me about the myths of a plant-based vegan diet. Um, and I just knew from that, that it was going to be very tough. Um, you know, not only most of it was joking, but you know, you can only joke so much about it. So that was a pretty prominent challenge. 
Um, another one kind of on that same topic was figuring out what I needed to eat to maintain the physique that I wanted. So, um, like I said, as soon as I transitioned, I lost about 15 pounds in the first three months and I felt I was eating a lot of food. I mean, I was full constantly. Um, but I clearly wasn't because I was continuing to lose weight. And even during that time, I mean, I've always been very active, always been, especially into weightlifting. And I was pretty much doing the same routine or same routines as I was doing, but I was still losing weight. So clearly I wasn't getting in enough calories. So I'm um, figuring that out was a little bit of a challenge. Um, and probably the last major challenge that I face is just figuring out what to eat. I mean, you know, you go from, standard American diet and all of a sudden you switch your way of eating your way of life how the, the how you plate your food really you know with think about the standard American diet there's usually a protein a carbohydrate um, and a vegetable well eating plant-based is much different usually you're eating just like one meal with it all mixed together whether it's in a bowl or maybe just um, one selection that kind of has all your protein fat and carbs within it so just kind of getting used to having to, to prepare meals and like, is it, you know, is, is this right? You know, there's, there's no right or wrong. It's, it's however you prefer, but uh, yeah. So those are probably my three most major challenges. Right. So sort of, we, we ended up switching from plates to bowls fairly early on just because yeah. we have that missing <laughs> that void. There was a space on our plate and I was like, I'm, yeah. it's not supposed to <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you wrapping your mind around, um, you know, whether you're getting enough uh, foods and nutrition and, and all that stuff, and then sort of filling that uh, space on the plate. So yeah, definitely mm -hmm. switching to bowls is, is something that should be done early on. Um, so, so with you in the fitness industry, um, there's such a huge emphasis on protein intake, you know, like how much protein are you taking? Where are you getting your protein? Uh, you know, how do you explain to clients that plant-based protein is uh, the best type of protein or, you know, they're not missing anything by giving up animal protein? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. That, Cause that's a, a, along with challenges. I mean, that, that's another number one question that I'm sure anybody eating plant-based or vegan diet can relate to, you know, where do you get your protein? Well, most of the people watching this interview probably already know where the protein comes from, but the way I explain it to people, especially who have no idea, um, is I try and, and share with them the way that I learned it. So when you think about it, you know, we eat, or for us, we used to eat animals. Uh, those animals obviously were our protein sources. Well, where do those animals get their protein? They get it from somewhere. So nowadays it's really like feed that's got so many, hormones and who know and you know even like cows eating other cows and pigs eating other pigs is absolutely disgusting but within the animal feed they're getting protein from grains majority um things like that if they're if they're pasture raised animals and they're doing it the natural way they're just simply getting it from grass and grass is just animals preferred plant source of protein um you know we can't do the same thing since their stomachs are able to break that down and extract all the amino acids needed for their body but the way they do it you know they provide that same thing for us so essentially what we do is we look to the plant sources that we can eat you know all the produce and the the grains um, things like tofu tempeh um, just beans in general so those are our preferred plants so we're just essentially skipping that step of eating 
meat for protein. We're going straight to the source. And, and that's usually what I try to explain to my clients um, and people who have this question for me at first. And they seem to, it kind of like turns on a light bulb like, huh. And it gets them to think a little bit more about that. Um, and that's really how I learned it. I, that's how I found that it was the easiest to comprehend because it's like, well, yeah, we're eating animals, but they obviously have to get it from somewhere. So we're just skipping the step in between. Um, that's probably the easiest way that I start the conversation. And then I move into sharing with some resources. There's a couple of good videos on nutritionfacts.org that talks about things like the protein combining myth and similar to what I just said about where our animals get their protein from. Um, so I share those with them. Uh, and that's kind of, I, I leave it at that. And then I allow them to go to go do it on their own and, and look at these resources and think about it a little bit. And then I'll probably let it stew for, you know, a week or two. So I don't overload them with too much because it's, it's kind of, it, it's a huge shift for people. And that's what I've been noticing a lot, whether I'm working with just helping somebody or I'm working with a client. I mean, it's a huge shift. And so I try and take a step back, give them a little bit of information, kind of let it stew. And like I said, I'll come back in a couple of weeks, um, ask them what they thought. And, and usually by that point, they understand where it comes from. And then I'll, I might show them some infographics like, all right, well, actually, through a cup of black beans, you can get you know, this many grams of protein and that's equivalent to a steak. And when they see those graphics and those visuals, they're kind of like, whoa. Um, and that usually just explains itself and, and, and really rides it out from there. So, Right, which is great. I mean, you, you've empowered them to educate themselves and then you sort of just yeah. add up with, uh, with the actual numbers. And that is the most important to see because People really just don't know. I mean, they don't know how much protein that they could get in a cup of black beans, for instance. Uh, mm -hmm. without, so, you know, by cutting the meat out, you're cutting out the middleman. You're just going yeah. to the source and you're getting the full nutrients um, that, that you need, essentially. Mm -hmm. So you talk about losing a lot of weight or 15 pounds within the first few months. Uh, mm -hmm. What about, and, you know, you're in a different situation where you're building muscle but what about somebody who's looking to lose weight and mm -hmm. they're super worried about you know consuming too many carbohydrates and they feel that plant-based <laughs> diets have so many carbs yeah yeah that so that one th this is probably the, the toughest stigma to break because it's been like i mean this one is like ingrained in our dna it seems like and unless you kind of are able to to get on the other side and then see the shift. It, it's so hard to explain, but um, again, I'll try to explain to them that it's not carbs that make us fat. I mean, the, it's really hard to pinpoint anything that makes us fat. I mean, there's so many things that go into it and I'm not going to, to stew on it much, but you know, things like genetics, um, how much you're actually eating, the quality of, of food that you're eating, you know, really taking an audit at what am I putting in my body? how much am I expending? So the formula is obviously extremely complicated, but mm -hmm. to, to get them to, to maybe wrap their head around it, it might not be carbs that are making them fat necessarily is that I try to explain to them that carbs are our primary source of fuel. Now it's not to say that some people might thrive more on, let's say fat as an energy source than carbs. It's just, it happens to be us as humans. We thrive on, on carbs or in the, in the form in our bloodstream glucose. Um, particularly our brain it uses I think I think it's about 20% of our uh, of our energy needs per day so that alone um, kind of gets them to think like all right well our brain's pretty important we got to think we got to do stuff you know maybe carbs are okay 
And then I really dive deep into, all right, what kind of, what's the quality of carbs? Are you eating whole food carb sources or are you eating highly processed um, food sources? You know, where are your carbs coming from? Um, when you look at the makeup of your meals, you know, are you just eating a carb heavy meal? You know, maybe consider adding some more fats and protein in there. Um, are you eating a ton of things that are coming out of boxes? Now, granted, not everything that's in a box is highly processed. It just happens to be the best way to, um, to kind of put that product together and preserve it. But generally, I mean, you know, if we're talking generally, most boxed items are processed in some way, shape or form. So if, if I can get them to realize that and get them to agree with that, which is usually pretty easy. I mean, you could generally say, if you look in the produce section, all that stuff that just says the barcode, it's probably the healthiest because it's the most unadulterated food. So I get them to start thinking about that a little bit and show them, especially resources like uh, the McDougal diet and Dr. Esselstyn's um, heart research study where he, he was able to, uh, I, I don't I know if I'm quoting this quite correctly, but he was able to reverse signs of, of heart disease or, or something of that sort where he showed a picture um, of a vein or an artery that had opened over time using a um, high, high carb, low fat diet along with, um, along with other things. But that alone kind of gets people thinking, huh, well, it worked for them. It might work for me. Just like how, for example, um, any diet, you know, they thrive off of, of antidotal evidence. Wow, this person lost a lot of weight, you know, whether it's the paleo diet, whether it's a high carb diet, whether it's high protein, you know, name it what you want. It's seeing those results. And so I show them some results, explain to them whole foods versus processed foods, and that gets them to open it up a little bit. Um, and I get them to take a real audit, look at what they're eating. What are you eating in a day? You know, what's your breakfast consist of? Are you eating a ton of, of grains? And not to say grains are bad by any means, but maybe swap those out with lower calorie foods, like simply just vegetables. You know, what's for lunch? Is it the, the packed sandwich and a bag of chips? And, you know, let's look at that. Can we swap that sandwich maybe with um, a lettuce wrap or, uh, add some more veggies in there, trade the chips for veggies. And so I start looking at trade-offs. Um, and then usually if they stick to it, you know, if they stick to it long enough and they start to see that, wow, I can eat all these demonized carbs that um, actually are good for me. Um, and, and so not only does it teach them to be less scared of carbs, but it also teaches them the quality of, or, or rather um, the quality of like what's good carbs versus bad carbs, which in the end is, in my opinion, the most important. Yeah, agreed. And just having them sort of, the food journals are super um, helpful yeah. because they, they, they may not truly understand how imbalanced their diet is right now. And then when you see it on a piece of paper or, you know, on a spreadsheet, it's like, oh, wow, I'm actually <laughs> all of that food and that's like yes. processed and you know like high high like a lot of simple carbs for instance but there it's definitely an eye-opener too when the individual can actually look at what they're eating and it's a physical piece of paper and they can see like oh okay I like now now I kind of get it and then you know educating them on things that like you said trade-offs like they can swap out for which is super important mm -hmm. because you know just leaving somebody with Hey, take all of this out, but there's nothing to implement incorporate yeah. back in. Then that's mm -hmm. when people start feeling like they're eating absolutely nothing and they're hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta if you're gonna take something away, you gotta give us some sort of alternative. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So 
uh, for individuals who are looking to transition from chicken to chickpeas, uh, what would you say the top three benefits of going plant-based are? Uh, that's a good one. So I would say probably the first benefit um, that is kind of unique because I don't hear many people talking about it, but you don't get sick very often. And, and that might be a combination of staying active and getting enough sleep, which I'm sure it is, but I just feel like I, I don't get sick very often. And it's nice because I am able to do all the things I want every day. I don't have to waste time uh, going to the doctor. I am able to, to basically do everything I want to do, both fit physically um, and mentally, whether it's work and still continue, you know, thriving essentially. Um, that's probably number one. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, number two is I feel like I can control my weight much better. And what I mean by control is that not necessarily that I can either lose weight or gain weight, but I have a better grip on kind of that day to day mental grind that, that some of us might have with, you know, like how am I looking what's the scale saying, um, or even on a weekly basis, I usually weigh myself about once a week. Um, just to kind of gauge where I'm at. And I feel like by simplifying my diet and focusing in again on whole foods, kind of what I was alluding to earlier, earlier with the, the carb question, I, I feel like that my fluctuations are a lot less and I have a very good grasp on what I can eat in like a given day based on my activity level. Um, and know that maybe if I eat a overeat a little bit on this day, or if I just accidentally overeat or feel like I did, then I'm okay because I know that I'm utilizing the food that I'm, I'm burning very, very well because my weight can fluctuate pretty greatly in just um, in, in, in a week's time, uh, which is really not very long. So um, that's definitely a better one, controlling the weight. And then another one that is a little bit maybe unique to those who are um, changing their diet more either for the environment or the animals and not just health is I feel like that I'm actually doing something good um, for our planet. You know, everybody wants to help. Everybody wants to contribute. But sometimes when we think about all, oh, we strictly think of like volunteering. So donating our time in turn to, to helping people out and feeling good. Um, well, I feel like I'm doing this every single time I pick up my fork. And, you know, there's tons of stats out there. Yeah, that just eating, I think, vegan for a month, it saves tons of carbon dioxide that gets put in the air. Um, it saves several animals, you know, the water. I mean, it, the impact is massive. And then you multiply that year after year after year. Um, and then if you, you know, every time you eat plant-based or you eat vegan and somebody sees you, that's essentially free advertisement for the diet. Um, and who knows who you are affecting. And if you affect just one person with one meal and then they, in the kind of the snowball effect, it makes such a gigantic impact. And every once in a while, I got to remind myself because that, that kind of gets forgotten with the day-to-day -day grind a little bit. And so it's just, it's nice to know that I can help by not necessarily going out of my way to, but just simply living my life. Right. And, you know, what you're doing also is you're helping improve people's uh, health and well-being beyond just fitness. You know, mm -hmm. you're, giving, you're giving people, uh, essentially people who say, who, for instance, have, you know, certain diseases or ailments, like you're giving them their life yeah. back. Right. So it's not. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, like you said, leading by example, you know, when I go out to dinners with friends, I don't 
always pick vegan or plant-based restaurants, but I will, you know, find a plant-based option and half the time dinner comes or the lunch comes, (laughs) everyone wants what I ordered anyway. So Mm -hmm. it's leading by example as well. Um, I like that one a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So when, when you talk about, uh, you know, for you sort of fine tuning and, uh, maintaining your weight with plant-based nutrition mm-hmm. what type of program would you put on put a person on who wants to uh either gain muscle or sort of mm-hmm. maintain that sort of uh the weight that they're on that they're at so like a maintaining or gaining like yeah so say yeah. say someone wants to gain a little bit of muscle mass for instance so if they want to gain muscle mass, then their caloric intake has to be higher than their maintenance. And it doesn't need to be hugely higher. I, I don't necessarily um, work in the, the bulking versus cutting. I know that works for somebody, but the clients that I work with, they're just looking to get healthy. And let's say they do want to put on a little muscle. Then um, I typically have them eat just above maintenance. Um, and usually there's a whole process behind that where I gather um, some of their food journal and I I figure out, you know, what is their maintenance and I use some other calculators, um, easy calculators that are out there, just kind of get an idea. And then, um, so eating a little bit more than their intake that could be done with um, simply adding like some healthy fats in there. That's usually the easiest way um, that I find for clients who want to put on some mass. So adding things like, you know, an extra handful of nuts or um, maybe an extra serving or two of avocado, as long as there are other um, their other macros are pretty lined up and I usually have them focus on if, if they hit a protein range, I don't necessarily give them a target protein, but I'll have them do a range. So they have a little bit of flexibility day to day. And then that also empowers them with understanding like, okay, if I have a range and I say, okay, I want you to track it and see what it takes you to get to that level. So then they can kind of know, okay, if I eat this in a day, I generally hit the lower range. If I hit this in a day, I generally hit the higher range. So again, it's, it's empowering them. It's teaching them um, because ultimately I want them to take these habits and I'm teaching them when they're done working with me and, and continuing with that. So um, instead of just giving all to them, I find that, that teaching them and giving them little tidbits here and there, I'm kind of like a fill in the blank. You know, if you're given a presentation and whether you're just giving them all the information or if you have them actually write in similar to that, um, so mass program, generally, generally speaking, eat a little bit more than maintenance. Um, easiest way is for me, healthy fats. So eating the things like nuts, seeds, avocado, um, maybe some nut butters, um, if they enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And then kind of the opposite, if they, um, if they want to, if they want to lose weight, then I'll have them literally do the opposite. I'll have them take some of those healthy fats out. So obviously you want to have a certain amount um, in your diet for proper functioning because fat helps shut a lot of vitamins and minerals into cells. So I never have them um, get rid of the fat at all by any means, but just take away like, all right, if a lot of my clients that I work with are snackers just because they, that whole, the whole last, um, maybe I guess decade, maybe 15 years was like, all right, we've got to eat six meals a day, snack all the time. And so they're kind of in that mindset, same with the carb myth. And so I'll tell them, okay, well, if you're constantly eating, then you're only burning the calories you're eating. And if you're not burning more calories than you're eating, you're going to continue to put on weight. So how about we stop eating those snacks? So then you're going truly four to six hours in between meals. So you're able to digest, utilize all that food. 
and then eat again. So it's, again, it's, it's a reframing, it, it's teaching, um, and it takes a while. So a lot of the clients I work with, I, I take it real slow and, and show them step by step. And I, I, I try and balance that line between um, results now and doing things that are sustainable and for the long run. And it, it's, it's a challenge because people expect like that now, 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 when they buy a program, when they buy a service, they want results now. But I try to get them to think bigger picture, longer term. And I, it's funny, I almost teach them to, to kind of put me out of business in the sense that like, I want you to eventually take this and run with it without me. Um, you know, hopefully they, they decide to work with me for a longer period of time because they enjoy the, the coaching and everything else that comes along with coaching, not just the actual product itself. But if I teach them, then I feel good about what I'm doing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something to be said about slow and steady. You know, do you want, mm -hmm. do you want to lose 10 pounds in the first two weeks and then end up going off of your unsustainable diet? Or do you want to build mm -hmm. slowly and, and really incorporate it into a lifestyle, not just a diet, yeah. like all encompassing because people will run into challenges and they want to make it more of a habit than a job, you know, like traveling. You know, yes. Everything like that. They want to sort of make it so that, you know, it's built on a good solid foundation. Mm -hmm. So final question for you, Scott. Yeah. What is your go-to plant-based meal? Your favorite meal? My favorite meal. So th that's been a tough one because Ever since starting my blog, food lives in my head. I mean, I'm, it, I'm always thinking about food. Uh, thankfully, I've found a way to balance actually eating that food and just thinking about it. But um, I'd have to say my go-to meal um, currently right now, because I'll be honest, it does change from time to time. But right now, um, it's actually one of the recipes that I've created. It's, it's my avocado taco bowl that you can find on plantbasedscotty.com. Super simple. Um, it actually takes about 10 minutes to prepare. Really, it's a bunch of chopped up vegetables, um, some avocado, some beans, um, and I like to pair it too sometimes with my cilantro lime rice recipe, and that with some seasoning. It's a super simple recipe, extremely filling, um, and that's probably my favorite, and I think that stems from, so I, I'm from Arizona. I grew up in Arizona, so there's a lot of Hispanic and Mexican um, food out there and different inspirations, you know, different kind of styles. And so I grew up on that. And so whether, you know, it's tacos, whether it's burritos, whether it's avocado taco bowls, anything like that, um, those are, are my favorite, generally speaking, like Mexican food. Um, and this recipe happens to be my current go-to just because it's so good and it's so easy. Amazing. I'm going to check that yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for participating in this very important conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you. The best way to spread the word about the amazing benefits of plant-based nutrition is to share information. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and family, both in person and through social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm so thankful for each and every share, mention, and follow from you guys. And if you're looking for more plant-based recipe inspos or you want to kickstart your very own plant-based journey, please visit www.jenniferz.com. Until next time, guys, stay healthy, happy, and plant-based.